0: Different rosters, both nights, but sort of mirror images. It looks like Salo's spot to lose. It also doesn't really appear that Salo is being pushed hard enough. He goes around looking to check players. Give me the over on 100 goals, and I'm pretty sure you said that, you know, jokingly. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode 140, as we are just a little over a week and two preseason games into training camp and already, judging by some social media overreactions, there's already quite a fair bit of angst about what's to come. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday, please follow me on Twitter at Newsday, and also check out our content on newsday.com backslash aisles, including uh, Newsday TV, and I'll try to make sense of what we've seen so far and why that may or may not mean much once the regular season starts. We'll also hear a little bit from center Brock Nelson, who is looking to build off of his career-high 37 goals and 59 points from last season's, and of course, your questions for Andrew's answers. So, I, I'm speaking to you after the Islanders opened their six-game preseason schedule, with twin 4-1 to losses to the Rangers and Devils, and before they played their first preseason game at UBS Arena on Sunday night against the Flyers. The Islanders have uh, made their first cuts to their training camp roster, uh, on Thursday, sending goalie Henrik Tikkanen, defenseman Trevor Cosgrove, Ryan McKinnon, Connor McCarthy, and Vincent Savigny, and forwards Colin Adams, Eric Brown, Blade Jakins, Jeff Kubiak, Dalen Keifler, Jimmy Lambert, Kyle McLean, Matthew Maggio, Reese Newkirk, and Chris Terry to their AHL affiliate in Bridgeport. Also, Goalie Tristan Lennox was returned to his junior team in uh, Saginaw of the Ontario Hockey League. Look, we all saw the same things with our eyes. The the team did not look good, certainly. uh, There there was a lot of traffic both nights in front of their net. Uh, There was plenty of miscommunication defensively. There was not a lot of spark offensively. Uh, neither Ilya Sorokin nor Semyon Varlamov looked particularly sharp, though I, I must say backups, Yakub uh, Shkarek and Corey Schneider, both had good outings after they came in uh, midway through the respective second periods. And it, it was different rosters both nights, but sort of mirror images. Oliver Wallstrom was the. The, uh, the only player to play in both games. And uh, as you'll hear from Brock Nelson, Brock was supposed to play on Tuesday night, but he had a very good reason for not being in the lineup. So Oliver Wallstrom substituted in. But in general, w- w- with both rosters, with either roster, the Islanders just look slow in comparison to their opponents. And they are 0 for 9 on the power play through two games. Uh, although we we hate the fact that we're keeping power play stats two games into preseason. They are 0 for 9. But hey, a little perspective here. They, they played those two games after just three practices at training camp under new coach uh, slash familiar face Lane Lambert. And, and almost all of those first three practices were mainly devoted to conditioning drills. There was very little systems work, at least on the ice. I know in the meetings, uh Lane Lambert and and his staff are 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 trying to tweak the system that the Islanders have played on uh played under under Barry Trotz. Lane Lambert, of course, being Barry Trotz's associate coach the past four seasons. And uh when I was talking to Cal Clutterbuck uh about a week or so ago about the transition from Barry to Lane Cal made it clear that, you know, Barry was certainly the face of the organization and he was the voice of the organization publicly, but he always felt, this is Cal Clutterbuck, that that Lane Lambert, uh, more than an associate coach, was really a a co-coach and he was very intricately involved in in everything and uh, really co-coached the team with Barry Trotz. This is, uh, again, Cal Clutterbuck's Opinion, so he thought the transition would be smooth between the two coaches but they there you know Lane has said himself and Matt Martin was talking about this after the loss to the devils in new jersey that there there are definitely tweaks to the system that have uh, been presented to the team, uh, but not fully worked out yet on the ice. And as Matt Martin said, until you really have that system in place, which really takes care of you on the ice, there was a lot of running around Uh, once those games kind of progressed. So uh, again, no excuses. There are no excuses in the NHL, but trying to offer a little perspective here that it- it- it's not not quite fair to jump off a bandwagon after an, after an 0-2 uh, start to the preseason. And I get it, you know, I, I don't know how big the bandwagon is after last season, first playoff miss since 2018. Uh, I, I I get all of that, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think jumping off the bandwagon right now is, is you know, uh, the 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 correct response. Uh, like like I said, very little systems work done on the ice. Absolutely no time has been spent on special teams work, and that's standard around the NHL. You you do your conditioning work. You 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 get the basic fundamentals in, and then you know you get a week or so into training camp before you even have a a special teams practice. Um. If those first two preseason games, those first two 4-1 losses, had been the final two preseason games, uh, yeah, absolutely, I, I I might be lunging for the panic button, but by the end of the preseason, the, the lineups will be more and more indicative of how this team will look at the start uh, of the season. Um, the, like I said, the, the first two uh, preseason games was really some veterans... Sprinkled in with a, a lot of guys that either were going back to uh, juniors or uh, uh, ticketed for the AHL. So, really, I, I'm just saying don't don't overjudge anything I- until you really see those final two preseason games, and that would be October sixth against the Devils and October eighth against the Rangers. Both of those of preseason games at UBS Arena. Um, Already, though, we are starting to see the nation formations of a potential opening night uh, opening night lineup. The uh, Matt Martin, Casey Sezika, Cal Clutterbuck identity line was finally reunited for the first time in camp on Thursday. That was also the day Kyle Palmieri joined Matthew Barzell and Zach Perisi. and regardless of whether Palmieri stays on that right wing, it really seems like Lane Lambert is pointing to starting the season with Barzell and Parisi on a line together. Uh, Likewise, Brock Nelson started camp skating with Anthony Beauvillier. That hasn't changed. Anders Lee joined that trio on Thursday. Does that leave Josh Bailey ticketed for a line with Jean-Gabriel Pajot? Quite possibly, though, Pajot was last seen skating with Oliver Wallstrom and Nikita Shoshnikov, a little bit more on Shoshnikov in a bit, uh, while Josh Bailey and Kiefer Bellows were sandwiching Atu Ratu in Thursday's practice. Simon Holmstrom had his turn skating with Matthew Barzell and Zach Parisi. That ended on Thursday when Simon Holmstrom uh, began skating with Ross Johnson and Otto Koivula. Otto Kaivula missed the the start of camp with an unspecified issue. Now, Simon Holmstrom uh, could be seen to be pushing either Kiefer Bellows or Ross Johnson or maybe even Oliver Wallstrom for a roster spot, but uh, I think Nikita Shoshnikov might be a little bit ahead uh, there if, if the Islanders and Lane Lambert do go down that path. Shoshnikov has shown a a good shot and decent speed through camp, and he certainly uh, has a little bit more experience in the NHL than Holmstrom. Shoshnikov turns 29 the day after the regular season begins. He's already played 87 NHL games uh, for the Maple Leafs and the St. Louis Blues. The bulk of those Uh, For the Toronto Maple Leafs, when Lou Lamarillo was Toronto's general manager, he returned to the KHL in 2019 uh, uh, before coming back, uh, before Lou brought him back to North America for this training camp. Uh, Look, Shoshnikov, like I said, shown a good shot, decent speed. He got behind the devil's defense uh, for William DeFore's headman pass for the lone goal on Tuesday so I, I think you can say that Chushnikov is pushing for a roster spot. And, and uh, even if he doesn't make it, I think you will see him at some point during the season, perhaps before Simon Holmstrom. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Defensively, Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak uh, have been a pair since the start of training camp. That's true also of Alexander Romanov and Noah Dobson. And also, Robin Sallow uh, and Scott Mayfield have been paired since uh, camp opened, and and it sure looks like that's how Lane Lambert is pointing his defense or his top three pairs into the regular season. It, it sure seems like the sixth defenseman spot is Robin Sallow's to lose. He's played well enough in spurts. He's turned the puck over a few times. He scored the lone goal against the Rangers from the left point. Uh, I'm still not sure whether Cal Clutterbuck deflected it or not on the way to the net, but Robin Salo was given credit for the goal. And when I say it looks like Sallow's spot to lose, it also doesn't really appear that Salo is being pushed hard enough for that spot. And I believe I've said this, I, I like Grant Hutton. I, I like what he can bring with his size and his hockey cue and a little more experience being a 27-year-old. A I'm not sure he's shown that he, he's an everyday NHL player uh, to this point. Uh, through training camp, uh, I, I just noticed in an intra-squad scrimmage, Uh, Hutton a couple of times had issues containing the puck at the blue line in the offensive zone. Uh, I think he's much better in the defensive zone. He he takes good angles. He uses his body well. He's got a good enough stick. You know, he defends the net well. It's just you, you push him up ice, and th- there were a few issues there. So, you know, Robin Sallow certainly gives you more in the offensive zone. Robin Sallow is the better skater. Uh, amongst the other candidates, uh, Dennis Cholowski, who, again, split last season, though he only played sparingly for either team, uh, between the Seattle Kraken and the Washington Capitals. uh former, uh, first round pick of the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. He's shown, you know, some issues defensively that have quite likely kept him from becoming, uh, an NHL regular, uh, disappointing, but Sebastian Ajo has really been a non-factor in camp. I, I don't think he's been paired with what you would consider an NHL defenseman, uh, yet. Um, and uh Samuel Bullduck has had his troubles staying healthy and staying on the ice. I, I would have liked to seen more of Samuel Bullduck uh through training camp to see if he could really push for a spot. But uh, you know, I, I don't think that will be the case uh given the time that he has missed so far. Um I I suppose Bridgeport Captain Seth Helgeson, uh, should I I should be mentioning Seth Helgeson uh, in that group of competitors for the sixth, seventh, maybe even the eighth defense spot? Though I I think they're going to go, as I believe I said in the last podcast, I believe they're going to go fourteen forwards, seven uh, defensemen, not thirteen forwards and eight defensemen. You know, so you want to throw Helgeson into that group of competitors? I'm pretty sure, Seth. You know the Bridgeport captain. I, I I think he's ticketed for the AHL and probably ditto for Parker Weatherspoon. Weatherspoon, sorry, Parker Parker Weatherspoon and and Paul Ledoux. So I, again, it's Robin Sallow's job to lose, and amongst that competition, I I don't I, I don't see him losing out on that spot. Now they may. They may be maybe a little bit more comfortable with Dennis Chalowski just because of his NHL experience to start. But I, I think Robin Sallow has had the better training camp and certainly uh, uh, brings a little bit more to the table. It's just a matter of whether he makes that full transition. Uh, you know, he's gotten very little time in North America over Uh, with Bridgeport, so uh, I still see him being the sixth D-man to start the season, barring injuries. Um, Let me just go down uh, the Islanders' training camp roster, and I'll try and give you a a couple of reflections or uh, some thoughts on uh, some of the other prospects or players I've seen uh, just going alphabetically, starting with the forwards, then going to the defensemen and goalies. We'll start with the forwards. Uh, Andy Andreoff, you know what he's, you're getting with him. He's a guy you can throw on the fourth line. Uh, if there are injuries, he could center that. Um, he'll give you a physical game. Won't give you much offense, but really, you know, an AHL player uh, who can come up, uh, you know, if needed and the same could be said of Cole Bardreau he he works incredibly hard does a lot of things right um he's you know in in baseball you call those kind of guys you know the 4a's you know a little bit better than triple uh, a but just below mlb day to day service so uh, you know Cole and Andy Andreoff probably are in that uh In that uh, category, Kiefer Bellows comes in, he he was talking uh, the other day, he's on a one-year deal, he knows how much he has to, you know, show uh, uh, to, he's on his second straight one-year deal, he needs to, uh, he feels uh, he needs to make the team, although he he has tremendous confidence in himself, Uh, it's a matter of, you know, tightening up his defensive game and, and unleashing his shot with more regularity. Um William Dufour is he's been a lot of fun to watch in camp and uh had a moment early in camp where Dufour was standing on the ice next to Ross Johnson, who we all know is uh, a very large man, uh Ross standing 6'5 being listed at 230. And I'll tell you what, uh William Dufour did not look that much smaller than Ross Johnson standing side by side. uh William is listed as six two two fifteen. But he's he's a big man. As as Jean Gabriel Pajot said, and, and Pajot, you know, another a uh, French Canadian, uh Pajot being from Ottawa and uh, Dufour being from Quebec, they, they share that kind of heritage. They played in the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, although at different times. And uh, Pajot has been following Dufour's uh, progress and sort of became texting buddies with him uh, before seeing him in person. And uh, Pajot was telling me how surprised he was by Dufour's size and uh, says he can't teach size. So he's got that going for him. It's an interesting game that Dufour has because... He he can be a playmaker and he's got a really good shot, but he's also got a lot of that physical edge, like think like a Cal Clutterbuck to him. So he, he I, I as as Lou Lamarillo said before camp opened, he did not think William Dufour and Atu Ratu were quite ready to make the jump into the NHL quite yet. and and, and I do think Dufour will make that jump at some point, and he's going to be a really interesting player just because of the, the two different things you can he gives you. And I was talking to DeFore, and uh, he said the big difference, really, in his game. You know, obviously, he grew into what he did. Um, but he had that career year uh, last year for St. John, won the Memorial Cup, obviously, led Team Canada to gold in the uh, World Juniors in, in August. Had a goal in that gold medal game, uh, seven points, I believe, in the seven games. Um, and he was telling me the big difference is confidence. When he was 16 or 17, he was passing up shots. He didn't have that shooter's mentality. And he says he has that now. So I, I see I see really good things for William Dufour. But it, it, as it relates to the NHL, not right at the start of the season. Arnaud Duranda, we know, can skate fast, but I I don't know how much of an impact uh, or, you know, he's, I don't think he's close to the NHL either. Hudson Fashing, a little bit of an older uh, uh, player. He's, uh, uh, I believe he's had some time in the NHL and he was, uh, you know, drafted in 2013. He's another one, you know, you could say probably the same thing about him that you could say about Andy Andreoff and Cole Bardrow. Uh, it doesn't do much wrong, but is he good enough to play in the NHL on a day-by-day basis? Not quite sure of that. Uh, Simon Holmstrom, uh, I, I think he, you know, he's very conscientious defensively. Uh, he he knows how important that is to his game. I'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive offensively. Um, they certainly gave him every opportunity with Matthew Barzell to kind of show that part of his game. Uh, he had a goal in a scrimmage. He turned around and just slapped at the puck in the slot, and uh, I, I think he needs more of that in his game. Uh, he's He's... Got potential to play in the league this season, I, I would believe. Uh, uh, Ruslan Isk- Ishakov, and I'm sorry, Ishikov. Um, if you remember, Ruslan played uh, a couple of seasons of collegiate uh, hockey at UConn, uh, went back to the uh, went back to KHL, or, or no, he went back, uh, uh, to Europe, I believe, uh, last season. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a small darty player, um, skates well, uh, not quite sure he's got enough size to really make an impact in the NHL yet, um, but, uh, he certainly skates well, um, Otto Koivula's missed a lot of camp, and, uh, I don't know if the uh, the boat is sailed on him, you know, I know 2 3 seasons ago we were looking at him as potentially uh inheriting maybe Casey Sizikis's role one day. I, I don't know if that ship has sailed yet, um, but he's he's not going to be in the NHL to start the season. Uh Daylen Kuffler, Cuffler, um he was one of the uh guys who got sent down, I believe. Um uh sorry about that just looking through my notes just to make sure yep yeah, yeah he's he's ticketed for Bridgeport. Oh Aturatu um thoughts on him. really smart player. I, I think he sees the ice really really well. Uh, he shows no fear on the ice. Uh, he'll go to the middle. Uh, hes uh, like I said, he skates nicely, still really raw. Uh, in my mind and and that's to be expected um but i i think this is a guy you know next year in training camp you're you're talking about him uh making the team out of camp next season but i i do think he he probably needs a, a season's worth of seasoning here at bridgeport to, to really get his game to the level that the Islanders would like to see. But he's certainly a guy that's headed in the right direction. And then uh, defensively, uh, I went over a lot of this. Uh, Samuel Bulldog would have liked to see more of him in camp. Same goes for Isaiah George, the fourth-round pick. He's been in the stands every day. They they obviously like him because they uh, haven't sent him anywhere yet, Um, sent him back to uh, his junior team. But... Uh, it's, I know how disappointing this must be for Isaiah not to get on the ice, uh, in training camp. Um, as far as the goalies, uh, you know, they, they also had Ken Appleby, Tristan Lennox, uh, Jakub Shkarek, uh, and Henrik uh, Tikkanen, uh, in camp along with the, the veteran Schneider and Sorokin and Varlamov and, uh, you know, they each had their moments. Uh, I believe Appleby had one really good period in an intra-squad scrimmage. I really liked the way, uh, Shkerek has looked in scrimmages and I really liked the way he looked, uh, against the Rangers in that preseason opener. Um, I, I think he's on a good path to, to potentially, uh, play in the NHL in a, in a couple of seasons. Um, Henrik Tikkanen, uh, He's he's really big. Uh, he's six foot eight, um, skinny at two hundred um, and fifteen pounds. And the thing I noticed, and 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 these really lanky, tall goalies are becoming more and more po- uh, more and more you know common. Uh, I was talking to Corey Schneider about it, and uh, Corey stands six uh, three, and Corey was talking about how when he first you know got into pro hockey. He he was sort of a giant, and now he's being dwarfed in net. But, uh, look, I, I thought Henrik Tikkanen got up and down really well for for a, a tall guy, um, and, and that can sometimes be tough, but, uh, you know, he does leave some holes just because of his size, although I, I think technically he's pretty sound in how he's uh, positioning his uh, pads and everything uh, to compensate. But uh, he's... Yeah, seventh-round pick in 2020, he's, uh, he's certainly got a lot uh, of work to do before uh, being close to an NHL uh, goalie. And um, as as I mentioned earlier, I, I did have a chance to chat with Brock Nelson the other day about the upcoming season. And as you can hear, there's plenty of background conversations going on. And Uh, That's a really good sign for me and for you, the listener, because that is the sound of being inside an NHL dressing room and getting to chat uh, with these players one-on-one and really reestablishing those relationships and and that comfort level between media and and players. Uh, This training camp marks not just for the Islanders, but around the NHL, it marks the media's first time back in the dressing room since February 2020 when the COVID-19 protocols and and restrictions uh, started to be put in place. And really, I I was congratulating Brock after he and his wife, Carly, celebrated the birth of their fourth child, a second daughter, on Tuesday. That, of course, kept Nelson out of Tuesday's lineup against the Devils.
1: I had intentions of playing and um, had chats with Lou, and he's been great this year third baby now kind of within like the season schedule of things. I mean tonight said I was preseason and you know, not really jammed it into like regular games and stuff but I mean we had one last year in playoffs and they were great and made sure I was there and Said anything that my wife needs to make her comfortable. Like that's uh, that's what we got to do. So um, worked out what just happened in the game. So Lou pulled, pulled me out. And, um, I'd like to get a new game, but I mean, obviously bigger things yeah. happen. And we'd like to be there, so it was fun. It was fun for us. Little so girl.
2: I mean, that said, uh, now you know does Sunday become? I, I know I don't have the rosters. It's three four days from yeah. now, but does getting those legs going become even more important a little
1: bit? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I mean, you don't want to assume. Like I haven't had any discussions or whatnot, but I mean, I would expect to you know play three of the four or so, you know, I don't know what the, they had talks with guys about how many guys are playing, but I imagine I'll play most of them now, just, you know, given the situation and where things are going, so, you get the inter-squad one tomorrow, I mean, you get kind of a mock one here at the inter-squad in two periods, so, I mean, a little bit of it, but, uh, yeah, in terms of just timing and legs, I, I, I feel great, but, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, games are just slightly different, so it'd be nice to get that. Uh, I'm sure they'll get me back in there and ready to go. And still got a little bit of time. I mean, yeah. first game's the 13th, so uh, yeah. still quite a bit of time to, to get into
2: it. And yeah, I know you guys don't want to look back. You're sick of looking back at last season. But for you personally, you know, not a breakthrough season, but a real you know career year type of thing. How do you build off of that or sustain that, and you know, really? move it forward within the umbrella of having team success as well? Yeah,
1: I think uh, yeah. I mean, as a player, you always want to try and take steps and. Uh, um, team-wise, last year was a bit of an anomaly and some weird, you know, unforeseen circumstances. The way things played out and mm-hmm. some dif- difficult obstacles that uh, you know were, we're a little tougher to overcome. So, um, like to turn the page on that, use that as motivation, and then individually, you want to try and ride the ship for the team and, and, and produce and help the team in any way to kind of get back uh, to where we were a couple years ago and make a run. And you know, we all believe that we can win in here. So, um, with that, I think you'll, you'll see guys big years offensively, you know, in different different ways impact the team. So uh, for me, obviously, you want to try trying to play two way games always been a focus, uh, and then help the team. And last year, played a little bit more on the half on the power play. I think it's a little bit more opportunity to maybe shoot uh, some different situations, and um, things went well. And now you just try to build off that. Uh, and you know, you don't want to say right away. I've, I mean, I had talks with Lou, and you don't want to just say, all right, like. It's just gonna happen again, I mean you gotta work for it and start again, everybody starts at zero. So uh, go back to work, I think put in the work in the summer to, to motivate yourself again and you know, just think about the team stuff I think will help everybody individually.
2: Does this the transition from Barry to mean I know how much you know you game getting flourished under Barry but Lane was a big part of that I was assuming
1: yeah yeah I think I know Barry Barry's obviously was, was the, the face and the voice of the team uh, but um, you know I think all the staff had you know quite a bit of input Laner especially being that he was with Barry for so long so mm-hmm. I think he had his fingers on a lot of things as well and uh, I've had good chats with Laner, you know when Barry was here just about my game and what he sees and he's you know he's helped me as well just as so much as Barry has and um, I love Laner, he's very detailed and as a player you know makes it's pretty black and white to go out there and play, which I think is great. It kind of just gives you, you know, the freedom to go out there and know mm-hmm. know what you got to do, and then kind of just let your instincts take over. So, um, you know, I think you know, it, it's kind of an opportunity for guys to just kind of reset and refocus. I know it's kind of, you're starting over a little bit, but still a familiar face where he, he's comfortable with guys in different different situations. So you want to go back out there and improve yourself and, and be in those. You, you,
2: I know you pay attention. That's the wrong way to, but you know, you guys line mates you know you're switching in and out training camp so you know seeing where the jigs are yeah when do you really start focusing in on you know who he's got you with and, and how it might start
1: yeah I mean you come out here every day you want to work so I mean if you're playing today with with Lisey and Bola you obviously want to have good good days and uh produce offensively when you're given the opportunity in you know different three on two situations or two on two whatever it may be just try to build some chemistry mm-hmm. played a lot with Bola over the years and um you know, started with him now. And I think I've been with him every day since camp. So, uh, if it's if it's ball that I open up with, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable and confident with him and his game, and and, and helping my game. And same with Lizzie, I've been with him yeah. off and on for you know nine, ten years now, so yeah. familiar with his game and know know what he's fully capable of and scoring a lot of goals. You know, in front and around the net. So, um, if that's a line, I mean, you want to come out here and, hmm. and be ready and flying. And, uh, you know, given the situation, 82 games, it could change 30 times. It could yeah. change two times. So. Yeah kind of just take it as
0: it it rolls and uh, one day at a time So again, congratulations to Brock and his wife Carly uh, four kids, good for for them (laughs) that's going to keep them pretty busy uh, off the ice and uh, uh, with that we turn to your questions for Andrew's Answers It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers We'll start with Thomas Boyle, who says, I was impressed with Jakub Shkirek yesterday, and so was I, Thomas. Uh, Thomas asks, is there any chance uh, Semyon Varlamov gets traded before the deadline to free up uh, the, the cap space? And look, I, I never want to say never. Um, it, it really depends where the islanders are, Um if they're in the middle of a playoff race, no, I, I don't see Varley getting traded because I, I really don't see the, the team entrusting that, that second goalie, the backup spot, uh, really. Because, uh, you know, we all believe that Ilya Sorokin is, you know, in my mind, he's going to play, you know, probably 50 games, maybe a little bit north of that. So you're really talking about him being the number one. Um, but they, they trust Varlamov so much, uh, that if they are in playoff contention, I don't see him breaking up that, that, that tandem. Now, if they are out of playoff contention, um, and if they're not going to bring Varlamov back, and I know how much he likes it here and he would like to be back, but for him to come back, it would have to be at, at a considerably lower uh, salary cap hit. So I, I think it's only a, a chance if the Islanders are out of it before the trade deadline. Um, up says, excited to see the new dressing room at UBS for the first time. Yeah, just went over that uh, talking with Brock uh, before uh, the, the Brock Nelson interview. I, I, I'll i be honest, like I, I don't even know I don't know how to get to the Islanders dressing room at UBS yet. Uh, I'll find out Sunday. I know how to get to the press conference room where last season we would talk to Barry Trotz and they'd bring in, you know, four players after a game. But I never made it down the hallway, actually, to the dressing room. So, yeah, I'm excited to uh, be to be told where the dressing room is. Yes, I am. Uh, let's see. Uh... Jack Anton says, does ownership bear any blame uh, for the Islanders' failure to improve their offense yet again? Or is this 100% on Lou Lamarillo? And look, Lou Lamarillo operates with the 100% backing of the Islanders' ownership. So if, and again, you know, throwing blame around before the regular season starts I, I, I understand the question. Let's see how it plays out. But yeah, if, if it turns out that the Islanders struggle and a part of the reason is, again, because they are struggling on the power play and struggling to produce offensively, while, you know, playing all these tight games, uh, we assume because of their defensive structure, but, but losing them, yeah. If ownership is backing Lou Lamarillo 100%, you know, yeah, then that's on ownership a little bit as well. Let's see. Brian G says, will Ross Johnson go on waivers um, uh, with everyone in the NHL. So salary cap strapped. I can't see anyone picking up that contract. And I I think that's why it was written that year. And he's, uh, you know, in on a four-year deal, uh, even though it's, uh, was it 1 million or just over 1 million annually? Yeah, I, I agree if Ross Johnson is on waivers. I don't know if anyone's committing to, to four seasons for Ross. So I think he's a little, you know, waiver protected that way. Look, he'll only go on waivers if, if Lane Lambert decides that uh, he doesn't fit a role. And I'm not sure that Lane Lambert is there yet. They, The organization likes Ross Johnson a heck of a lot. Um, Andy Hicks says... Um, Do you think they attempt to showcase any prospects in an attempt attempt to raise trade value, Uh, even if it weakens them temporarily? uh, It's difficult to see them being able to compete with the likes of the Rangers if a big fish like Patrick Kane became available right now. And uh, I I don't think the Islanders are thinking of showcasing prospects uh, through training camp or through the preseason right now, I think they're thinking of trying to settle on their roster and, and seeing how evaluating their own players. And if that leads to trade talks, that's an ancillary part of that, but I don't think they're specifically trying to show uh, showcase prospects at this point. Let's see. Uh, pain says, Hey Andrew, how do you feel about some of the young guys? Like, uh, uh, Romanov, uh, well, he says Sallow Holmstrom, etc. I answered uh, uh, a lot of that. I, I will say of Alex Romanov, he comes as advertised, he skates very well, he really does. He gets the puck up ice and he goes around looking to check players. And I noticed even in an inner squad scrimmage the other day, he knocked Brock Nelson down uh, at the blue line. And I was thinking, ooh, you know, and, and Ross Johnson was on the ice at that point. And I was wondering if Big Ross was going to go over to uh, Romanov and remind him that, hey, you you really don't want to be uh, knocking down our top goal scorer from last season. But but nothing became of that. Um, Doc Ant says... What are your thoughts on Lane's press conferences or relationship or relationship with the media thus far? He seems pretty calculated like he's giving a deposition. I I miss Barry already. (laughs) And look, Lane is just a different person than Barry Trotz. And because he is more guarded and more reserved and less certainly less chatty than than Barry Trotz is in in a press conference setting that's not necessarily a a reflection of of who he is as a person. Uh, I I can tell you he's very personable. He's very cordial. Um, You know, he he seems actually like a very humble, uh, down-to-earth guy. And when when I've spoken with him, it's all about family and uh, trips and helping his kids and what his kids are doing. He, He really to me, seems just like a regular guy. And uh, that's not to say Barry Trotz wasn't a regular guy. I I found Barry Trotz very down-to-earth. And, uh, you know, they're they're just different people. And, uh, look, I I think it suits Lou Lamarillo's, you know, model of how he wants his coaches speaking publicly. Uh, I I think Lane Lambert suits that much more than Barry Trotz did. So, uh, you know, uh, whether that... Went into it. Whether Lou and and Lane discussed that beforehand, I, I get the feeling Lane would be like you know be be like this yeah you know, more reserved. I I don't want to say he seems pretty calculated. Like he's giving depositions. I, I I think you know he's just guarded with the information and he's not out there to to talk for twenty five minutes. That's just not you know his thing. Um, but uh, you know. I asked him, uh, before the season started, whether, you know, the speaking to the media twice a day on, uh, on game days and every day, whether that was going to grind on him a little bit. And he said, it's not as bad as, uh, you know, as people make it out to be. So I think he's doing fine. You just, you know, he's just not giving away information and that's, that's him. Uh, let's see. Uh, M says, is Oliver Wallstrom going to get a shot if his defensive play gets better? Absolutely, if Wally uh, improves his defensive play, if he, if he improves his overall game, then that solves a lot of issues for the Islanders. So, yes, absolutely. Um, let's see, Aisle 72 says, I'm not expecting Lane Lambert to sit a veteran over Kiefer Bellows or a guy like... Shoshnikov do uh, you and look I, I, I've been saying I, I think at least to start the season 11 of the 12 forward spots are 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 locked up really and, and you're competing for that 12th spot and, and I'm putting Shoshnikov and I'm putting Bellows I'm putting Wallstrom uh, and, and Holmstrom sort of in that you know fighting for that one role. But uh, on opening night, I, I expect to see Parisi and Barzell and Palmieri in there. I expect to see Lee and Nelson and Beauvillier. I expect to see Josh Bailey. I expect to see Jean-Gabriel Pajot. I expect to see Matt Martin. I expect to see Casey Sezikis. And I expect to see Cal Clutterbuck. And uh, I think I just named uh, 11 fed veteran forwards. So, uh uh but that being said... I I, I do think Lane Lambert, it has to be a meritocracy. It really does. And if there are other players, it, as the season progresses, I'm not saying on opening night, but if, if a veteran's not pulling his weight, I, I, it's incumbent on Lane Lambert to, to, to have the guts to to sit that veteran and get someone else in there. And we'll see how that goes. Um, Matt, the professional contrarian or not, uh, says, who's been the biggest surprise so far this preseason? And who is your current dark horse to make the team? Uh, my dark horse to make the team actually has become Nikita Shoshnikov. He's really given them something to think about. Um, uh, the biggest surprise, I don't want to say surprise, but I, like I said before, I've been having a lot of fun watching William Defoe, uh skate around. <laughs> um... Let's see. Jeff says, do we know whether the Islanders will call all roster players to the ice one by one at the home opener before puck drop? It didn't happen last year, presumably due to how late the first home game was in the air. Half the team, including the captain had COVID. Uh, I always liked that NHL tradition. I haven't, I'll be honest. I have not asked and I'm not sure I would get an answer, but in the past, look, Lou Lamarillo's entire philosophy is that it is a team. It is not 23 individuals. And, yeah, it's nice for the, the players to skate out one by one and hear the applause, but that Lou Lamarillo, I believe, has always shied away from that because he doesn't like the players being singled out like that. He wants it to be a collective, a, a, a team. So it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they... Do not do that. Um, we'll do some over-unders, I believe. Dale Skidmore says, over-under, Lou survives the season. I, Lou is going to survive the season. Uh, give me the over on that. Uh, CNJ Isles Mets fan says, over-under on the Isles scoring 100 goals for this season. <laughs> preseason has been ugly, but it, that's it's that. It's only the preseason. Any reason... For for concern after the first few games, in your opinion, I've gone over that. Look, if these were the 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 last two preseason games, I, I would have a lot more concern. And yeah, no, they give me the over on a hundred goals, and I'm pretty sure you said that, you know, jokingly. But uh, Ricky says I feel that this season all depends on Kyle Palmieri. If second half Kyle Palmieri, that second half from last season shows up. They are fine. If it's first half Palmieri, they will be lucky to make the playoffs. Your thoughts? Thank you. It, it doesn't just fall all on one player, but, yeah, they need more production from Kyle Palmieri. He knows that. The team knows that. And he was much better in the second half. And, uh, look, I, I I think whatever issues Palmieri had, you know, first year of a contract, I, I don't know what it was, but, Look, I'm not expecting Kyle Plumary to be a 30 goal scorer, but there's no reason why he can't be a 20 goal scorer. Um, and, and to be more consistent, uh, to start. Um, Mike Fink says, Was wondering how Scott Mayfield is feeling entering the season. Um, final year of his contract. I noticed that he's suddenly the oldest defenseman on the roster with Chara and Green gone. All the, um, yeah, Mike, uh, this is more of a discussion for later in the season. I I, I don't think Scotty is thinking about it right now, but you're right. He's ending a four-year deal going into the final year, and it's on a very cap-friendly number for the Islanders. Oh, is it like 1.5 around there? Sorry, I don't know that off the top of my head. But look, for a guy like Scott Mayfield, uh, true value, he should be making $4 million or or more. And uh, that that's a question for later because I, I'm not sure that the Islanders will be able to fit that in for next season. So, you know, we'll discuss this more as this season goes on. Um, Isles Rule said, a big concern is the Islanders are too slow and old to compete with other teams that are young and fast. If the Islanders get off to a slow start, what can be done considering these factors? And look, I, I, I think I've said that, but... Uh, this whole season has been on Lou. Um, you know, he, he fires Barry Trotz, brings in Lane Lambert, uh, brings in Romanov, but uh, does not pull the trigger on other hockey trades, uh, said he didn't wasn't getting good value. He would have been hurting the team. If this team gets off to a slow start, my opinion, then it, it's time to cut bait with this core and you have to start breaking it up and... Uh, and and just starting over with some of the younger players, and some of those contracts are going to be tough to move. Um, And uh, we'll finish with Fike, who said, who is going to play on Barzi's wing, and will they give him the potential to play his best offensive game? And I, at this point, I really feel like it's going to be uh, Palmieri and Parisi to start the season Parisi will certainly give Barzell the space to skate around. You know per, where Parisi is going to be, and he's going to be near the net, so that gives uh, uh, Barzell more room to operate, skate around the offensive zone. Um, it, it comes down to, if he plays with Palmieri, Palmieri has to finish, and he has to be more consistent, and otherwise, no, the wheels are going to fall off a little bit, so Thank you very much for all those questions. Uh, I appreciate them. Enjoy uh, the feedback and, uh, and answering them. And thank you very much for listening to episode 140 of the Island Ice podcast. We'll certainly be back with more as training camp uh, progresses. Please remember to follow all of my stories and uh, all of Newsday's Islanders content. Uh, newsday.com backslash Isles. Please check out Newsday TV. We'll be getting you Islanders video content through Newsday TV. Please follow me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.